0: What's up, Renaissance family? Come on. Can we welcome all those who joined us online today? Am I on? I, I, am, I, am I on? Okay. Okay. Good. Good. I haven't been in church in 16 months, so I've forgotten the whole rhythm. Y'all doing all right today? Good, good. I am so excited to be here. Uh, As Pastor Jordan mentioned, my wife and I, Sarah, are launching Accelerate Church in the Camden County region in September. Uh, We we were accidental church planners. We thought we were just changing the name and moving the location, and then we realized, like, oh. We're starting a church. Okay, cool. So we need some help. So I'm so grateful for Pastor Jordan and and his lovely wife, Jess. They have been just so encouraging to us. And we get that name, Accelerate Church, from 2 Thessalonians 3.1, where Paul says, pray for us, brothers and sisters, that the word of the Lord may speed ahead. And we want to see the gospel of Jesus Christ run like an Olympic sprinter in Camden County. Amen. And we're hoping that he does some amazing things. Thing. So why don't you join me? I'm in Matthew's gospel today. Matthew's gospel uh, will be preaching from uh, what I believe to be a familiar verse. Matthew verse chapter 16, verse 13. I'll read it for your hearing. It says, "When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, "Who do people say that the Son of Man is?" They replied, Son, some say John the Baptist, others Elijah, still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets." But you, he asked them, who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, you are, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus responded, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, because flesh and blood did not reveal that to you, but my Father which is in heaven. And I'll also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Haiti will not overpower it. Why don't we pray one more time? Dear Jesus, thank you for this time. Thank you for the goodness and mercy of your Son given so richly uh, to us on the cross. We pray that you will be with us. In Jesus' name, amen. Listen, I don't know about you, but I am a big fan of Denzel Washington. Okay. All right. Just trying that out, testing that out. Testing that one out. Okay, good. Big fan of Denzel Washington. I, I love his son too, but I really didn't understand Tenant. I'm gonna just be honest with you. Maybe, maybe I don't get it. Like when they were like running around, like running in circles and seeing himself in the past. I was just like, I mean, I even read the, the little the little description about it on Wikipedia, still didn't get it. Maybe somebody could, after service could kind of help me think through it. But, but Denzel is, a, is an amazing actor, right? right? He's, he's, he's amazing, right? Whether it's uh, his portrayal of Malcolm X or whether it's Alonzo in Training Day, like he has stirred the hearts of millions of people that have watched him on the silver screen. So he's famous for his acting abilities, but he's also very famous for making guarantees in every movie. Anybody ever watch the Denzel Supercut of him making? You can hear him say it. I guarantee it. I stick by it. I even learned how to do the walk a little bit. Like, he, he like, he like, I don't really, I, I, I'm, I'm learning. I'm learning, right? So I love Denzel, right? And it's like, he always makes these guarantees in the middle of everything falling apart right? The scene could be falling apart. There's somebody jumping off the building. Denzel makes a guarantee, right? And so as I thought about that and I was, like, preparing for our passage this week, it made me think about Jesus's famous guarantee in our chapter today. And he's like, I know that some of us have lost, maybe some of us online have lost faith in the church. Like maybe church is not our thing like that because of the celebrity pastor scandals. Maybe we've lost it because of the political hijacking or the indifference to humanitarian issues. But this passage reminds us that the church of Christ is still under warranty. Like it, like it may be jacked up. It may be messed up, right? In the words of one commentator, she might be a harlot, but she's still my mother right? She may be messed up, but remember, the church is God's plan A for salvation and to build His kingdom and expand it into all of the world. Y'all hearing me, the Renaissance family? Like, it's God's plan. And I know she ain't perfect. I know she can inflict hurt sometime, but what I know is that she can bring great healing. And when the church of Christ is activated and walking powerfully in its mission and calling, we can change the world. We can turn it upside down like it says in Acts. Amen? All right, let me go on because I, I, I… Pastor Jordan told me I have 25 minutes and 33 seconds and you know, in, in my preaching tradition, that's just an introduction. So let me go on. <laughs> let me go on. Here, let me go on. So we're going we we're going to park in verse 18. But if… With, with your permission, I want to walk us down from verse 13, is that cool? So Jesus takes his disciples, he takes them to this place called Caesarea Philippi. Now Caesarea Philippi is a place of moral decline, right? It's a, it's a place of idolatry. And his disciples probably grew up in Judaism. They're like, yo, Jesus, why are we going here? Like, what in the world are we going to Caesarea Philippi for? Like, they worship the God Pan. You've seen Pan in the little Nas X Montero video. Well, hopefully you didn't see it. Well, maybe you did. Well, maybe we'll cut that out of the podcast. Anyway… Um, In the video, Satan is depicted as this hood deity. That's the the depiction of Pan, if you will. So anyway, so they they go there and I can imagine it kind of disturbs their monotheistic religious sensibilities, right? They were probably like, what is going on? Why are we here? But let me just say parenthetically that sometimes Jesus will take you to places that make you feel uncomfortable. Right? And the reason He does this at times is because there are things He will teach you in pain that He will not teach you in prosperity. Right? There there are things that you've been asking God for. Some of you are like, God, I want to walk in my plans and purposes. I want to walk in this new season, oh Lord. And I think God is like, what's your pain threshold? Can you take the corresponding pain that's going to come with your promotion? Can you take the pain of people talking bad about you and leaving you and not believing in your dream and not believing in your vision? Are you ready for the pain that comes alongside promotion? Let let, let me go on here. Let me me go on. So, so sometimes Jesus will take you to places that are uncomfortable because he's like, I know you've been delivered from Egypt, but you still got a little Egypt in you. You still got a little old town road in you. That's got to come out. And what what Jesus is saying, I got to take you there because I got to help you unlearn some things and relearn some things so that your character is ready for the place I'm going to take you because what's the point of getting a promotion if your character can't keep you there? Let me go on here. Let me me say this. Here's a sticky statement. Sometimes you don't know what God has put in you unless he puts you in a situation where he has to pull it out of you you didn't know that you had stick to itness and fortitude. You thought that that breakup was going to break you. You thought when your ex-boyfriend or ex-girlfriend dropped you off by the side of the road, you thought that your life was over. But you should be shouting and praising God because He turned your ex into a Y. Oh, some of y'all ain't hear it. Y'all ain't get that. Y'all ain't get that. He turned your ex into a why, why did I date him in the first place? Why was I even attracted to him? Why did I think, why why did I like the… They told me this was the lively service, anyway, let let me go on, let me go on. So Jesus takes them to Caesarea Philippi, they're super uncomfortable, so then Jesus says, you know what, it's time for some critical questions. Who do the people say that the Son of Man is? Now let me just say this, Jesus is not asking this question because he's uncertain on his identity. He already knew, like, like he had read the newspaper clippings and all that type of stuff, but Jesus is pretty sure in his identity. How do I know? Because he uses this designation son of man. Son of man is a term he appropriated from the book of Daniel to describe his earthly mission and his heavenly origin. Jesus knows exactly what he's here to do, right? He was confident as a boy when he walked into the temple and and he was learning about his father's business. He'll be confident when he's in the garden of Gethsemane praying. He'll be confident all the way to the cross when he says, Father, forgive them. Jesus is confident in who he is. Let me ask you a question. Are you confident in who God has made you? Right? Because a lot of us, I heard one preacher say it like this, we have copycat anointings. In other words, we want to be the B or the the variations of, uh, the B-grade variations of others so much that we forsake who God has actually made us. We want what other people have so much sometime that we are willing to be false carbon copies in order to get that thing. Let me just go on here for a second. We often define ourselves, you've heard Pastor Jordan say this, by jobs and financial statuses and appearance and what others say about us. But when you lose that job, when you gain some weight, when you fail that class, the foundation of your identity is inalterably shaken. Why is that? Because we define ourselves in ways that God never intended, right? But when you come to freedom in Jesus, that's, that's why I love Jesus. Jesus will just give you a new identity. He's like, man, you don't got to perform for me. You don't have to tap that. You don't have to do things. I'm already pleased with what my son Jesus has done on your behalf. You can't do anything to impress me, right? Like, that, that's what Jesus, Jesus, is like, you are a son and daughter. Somebody just needs to breathe that in. You are, you are a coworker of Christ. You are a part of the household of God. He welcomes you and loves you. He loves your quirks. He loves your idiosyncrasies. He loves all of your little behaviors and things. Like, when you find freedom in Christ and understand your identity, you move from from being performative and move towards just being with God. That's right. That's right. All right. All right. That went there. All right. Glory. You know, I haven't gotten one of those in a long time. Pops in the back, amen we, we gonna. I'm going to close. You keep amen like this, I'm going to close this sermon. I'm going to go get one of those and start hooping, right? Here we go. So, so disciples start chatting, right? Disciples start chatting. And they're like, well, Jesus, some people say that you're John the Baptist. Others say that you are Elijah, reincarnated. And then Jesus does this. He says, okay, cool. I hear what… I, I understand what they're saying, but let me turn my attention away from the masses and let me turn it to you as my mentees. Who do you guys say that I am? This is the million-dollar question, and it's plural emphatic. So what he's saying is, who do y'all say that I am? And every person listening to me today must be confronted with that very same question. Ask yourself and be honest. Who is Jesus to you? If he's just a good teacher, then you will trust your advice over his. If, if, if he is someone you just come to when you want something, then he's just a genie in a bottle that you go to to get your wishes and then dismiss them right back to that bottle. If he's a good human being, then that means that you will not esteem him or honor him as God. Who is Jesus to you? So somebody said, well, I'm, I'm blood-bought, spirit-baptized, walking, walking in the power of the Holy Ghost. Okay. Uh, amen. Shout, shout out to that. Let me ask you a question. But if we went through your finances would they say that your spirit filled, fire baptized, walking? Like, like, what does your wallet say about what you value? How about your recent Facebook posts? What do they say? What does your, what does your Instagram stories say about who Jesus is? How does your giving communicate? If we went through the giving statements right now, would they say, woo, he really, he, well, he loved Jesus. Do you love Jesus or do you love Jordans more? I know, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, I know, I know. I'm that hurt me to say that. You ever say something and you like, uh, eh, I shouldn't say that. We're just gonna get that out of the podcast right there. <sighs> oh, gosh. Jesus, we didn't have to say that. Dude, but, but that's a real question. What does your wallet say about Jesus? So then let me move on to that point. Then Simon Peter interjects, right? You know Simon. Simon is always talking. He's he's got the big mouth. He he's impulsive. Any impulsive people in there? No, none of us. Okay, just me. Okay. All right. I'm the only one. That, well, I don't like to call it impulsive. I like to call it guttural, right? You make a… Oh, never. Anyway. All right. So, he says… This is what Peter says. Peter says, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. This is not some, some musical mantra like this or some magical mantra. This has some real significance. Like, let, Let's look at each piece. Let's start with Christ, right? Some of us might be if you're new to the faith, especially, you might be uh, uh, surprised to know that Christ is not actually Jesus' last name. It's a title. No, no, that, you know, I know we… everybody might not know that. That's cool. That's why you well, You can belong before you believe, you know, here right at Renaissance, right? And Accelerate Church if you're in South Jersey. Um, <laughs> September 12th, uh, if we have, you know, if anybody's moving from Harlem, you know, so we can get some of this vibe. Anyway, uh, so, so he calls him he calls him the Christ, right? The, now this word Christ is the, is, the, is the New Testament equivalent of an Old Testament word, Messiah, right? And what the Messiah is, is, is the person positioned and purposed by God to fix the biggest problem. And I know some of y'all are like, I know my biggest problem, <laughs> it's my relationship status. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That's my, big, my biggest problem is my bank account, Jesus. Can you fix it? No, no. My, it's my employment issues. No, it's not. The biggest issue that you and I have is the sin that lurks in our heart. That sin, sin is nothing but subtle self-deification. It wants us to be praised and kick God off of the throne of our heart and us get recognized as opposed to God. Right think about it. We take we we take these gifts that God has given us. We say no we don't want your plans, God, we're going to ditch your plans, but I'm going to take those very same gifts and I'm going to use them to build my platform, but not use them in the context of the church that are, they're supposed to be for the edification of the body. Are y'all hearing me? Like, like that's what we do. That's, it's the self-deification. That's why some of us are addicted to compliments. And addicted to praise and addicted to somebody telling us a good job because ultimately at the end of the day, we want people to deify and recognize us. That causes enmity between God and us. That's what causes the, racial, the, 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 the radical hostility between us. But Jesus said, you know what? I'm going to become a man and I'm going to be man enough to owe your debt and God enough to pay it. So he says, I'm going to become a man, I'm going to come down into the sinful flesh, I'm going to endure the pain, the shame, the bruising of the cross, and then I'm going to give you the victory. Right? Like I'm going to run the 100-meter dash, I'm going to win the gold medal, I'm going to take it off of my neck, and I'm going to put it on your neck and give you the victory because of something that I have done on your behalf. You ought to give God some praise on that. He did it. It's the sin that lurks in the heart. Not only that, he says he is the son of God. Of the living God, <laughs> I like I like that. Anytime "son of God" is mentioned, it's like a finite term, usually to describe like kings and humans and things like that. But when the Bible refers to Jesus as the Son of God, it's saying He is not a son of God; He is the Son of God. In other words, He has a unique relationship with God the Father that we don't have. But what He does on the cross is He welcomes us into the family of God. And what He's saying is, because of these designations, Jesus is the only one that can save us from our sin. I mean, it's only him. He is so perfect that his righteousness or resume can stand in the place of ours. I mean, because of what Jesus did on the cross, like he defeated death. Death does not have to have the final say. It does not have to have the final say of our lives because of what Jesus accomplished. His death is so valuable that it could be substituted for the penalty of our sin. That's good. That's the good news today. And, And listen, I love that Peter throws an adjective on there. He says he's the son of the living God. What he's saying is in a world of lifeless and dead idols, our God is living and powerful. That's what he's saying. Now some of us don't believe that all the time, but you need to get that deep in your soul that your God is fighting for you. He's fighting battles that you can't even see. He's keeping demonic agents away from you. You got a Father in heaven that sits on the throne with His Son beside Him, making intercession on behalf of you. He's giving you a deposit of the Holy Ghost that lives on the inside of you, burning off your sinful… You, man, you, y'all ought to give Jesus some praise that I've got the Spirit inside of me I've got the heavenly father taking care of me. Let me go on because i got six minutes. <laughs> well, not six minutes. I'm just playing. Here we go. So then what's what, this is what Jesus, this is how Jesus responds. He says, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, because flesh and blood did not reveal that to you but my father in heaven. You know you done said something good when Jesus says your whole government name. <laughs> he said his whole government. He says, you know, and you know why Jesus says this? He says this because, yo, you got Jesus' identity right. That's not something you get from a book. That's not something that you get from a podcast. You get that because it was supernaturally revealed. And he says, Because of this, I'm gonna give you a new name. Your name is The Rock. Not Dwayne Johnson, you know what I'm saying? But but The Rock, right? And he says, and so this is this is what one expositor brought out, and I thought this was amazing. Is when you get Jesus' identity right, He He reveals your true identity. Do y'all get that? Peter directly identified him he gave him his true identity and as i mentioned why is that important because we build our identity on the wrong things we built our identities on false foundations appearances and financial standing and career but when you get jesus identity right he shows you that you're a deeply loved son and daughter that doesn't have to perform for him and then he says this He says, and you are Peter, and upon this rock, I will build my church. Now, this is where our Catholic brothers and sisters would say, oh, they assume that Peter is the rock, and because Peter is the rock, this is what justifies the papacy. Now, you know, I love my Catholic brothers and sisters. I think they do really good with Jesusology and and, and kind of some of the stuff, but I think they really get this wrong. Here's why. Because Peter is in the masculine gender, is Petros. Jesus is in the, I mean, not Jesus, the rock, Petra, is feminine gender. So what I think Jesus is doing or what many theologians say is it's a play on words, right? He's not talking about the same rock, right? On top of that, the definitions differ. Petros is like a shifting, rolling rock, whereas Petra is this solid, immovable rock. Do y'all get that? So the definitions don't align and the genders don't align. So the question you might have is, well, what what is this Petra? What is this rock that Jesus is talking about? I'm so glad you asked. 1 Corinthians 10.4, here's what it says. It says, they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them and that rock, Petra, was Christ. Y'all get that? What, What that means is Jesus is the firm foundation of the church. Jesus is the cornerstone. And that means, conversely, that the church is not built on cool lights and environments and celebrity pastors. Furthermore, it means that it's not built on a long-lasting, it's not built on papal succession. It's not built on the Declaration of Independence or the Constitution or Americanology, like it's not built on any of these things, it's built on Jesus. And when you put your trust in Jesus, you will find hope for the church. The the, the reason that we've lost faith in the belief in the church… It's because we think that it's founded on things that it's really not founded on, right? But when you know, like, oh, no, this is God's church, oh, yeah, this is the only institution that Jesus died for, oh, this is the only institution He promised that the gates of hell wouldn't prevail against, oh, this is His plan A, and He doesn't have a plan B, that should stir your heart and say, yo, if Jesus cares about the church, how much more should we care about the church, right? So, he, so, so some of you might be like, okay, well, that's good, I hear you, um, What is the church? Right? That's a fair question, right? No? Okay. Well, it is. It's a fair question. I looked at this side. It's a fair question, right? Okay. Fair (laughs) question. What is the church? Well, that's not easy to define, honestly, because the church is a historically complicated entity. It's organization and organism. It's people and institution. It's visible. It's invisible. It's gathered and scattered. Like, it's a place that can give great hope and, and give great healing, but at the same time it has afflicted immense pain. Right? But the word that Jesus uses for church is the word ecclesia. It's a gathering of people that are called out for a specific purpose. Like it could refer to like a congregation, but more likely than not it's referred to like, a, like an assembly or like a, a, a military, like, like soldiers were called out of their families for the intent of purpose and serving in the military. Does that make sense? Okay, okay. Let me see if I can bring it a little closer to home, all right? So what I found out in the first service, I used an illustration about homecoming and football, and I realized that we don't do, some of us don't do that in, in New York City. Is that correct? Well, we're going to give it a go anyway, all right? We're going to just encourage you to use uh, something that you learn called context clues. Is, is that all right? We're just going <laughs> to encourage you. Uh, this is for probably more for my uh, coffee house constituency. You can call this a gentrified joke, if you will. We're going to go with it, though, okay? We're going to go with it. So at homecoming, right, you had this thing, you know, you had this thing called homecoming. And it ended in this thing called a homecoming game, right? But before the homecoming game, on a Friday, you had something called a pep rally, right? So, at a pep rally, that's when the students are called out of office or out of the classrooms into the cafeteria or the gymnasium for the intent and purpose of cheering on the football team before they get their butts whooped by the crosstown rivals, right? Right? Okay, good. Okay. Yeah, you guys, this is a smart crowd, right? So, so in a higher and holier way, we are Christ's pep rally. Our job is to be called out from spiritual darkness and in the world and living selfish lives for ourselves where we build our own kingdom and we are called out into the church where we expand the kingdom of God. That's what the church is now. It's not cool lights, even though, amen amen to some cool lights because, you know, we're going to do that at Accelerate Church on September 12th. That's what we, that's what we're going to do, cool lights, the LED, with the LED light like that with the smoke, uh, you know, we're going to have that. All right, so let's look at. (laughs) Oh God, I want. Please have me come back and preach again. Okay, okay, okay. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. There we go. I haven't preached in front of people in a while, so y'all work with melanated people. I haven't done really done that. Anyway, here we go. Okay, so let's look at the let's look at the context of this warranty here. Can we do that? So here's the here's the here's the first aspect of the warranty. Jesus makes a promise. Jesus makes a promise. Look what he says. He says, "I will." I will. That means it, that's that's Jesus saying if I'm I'm going to do it, I'm going to carry it out. Uh, I'm, I might be dating myself here, but um do I have any fans of 2000s R&B in here? Any fans? Okay. All right. All right, cool. All right. Good. 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 Just checking, just checking. so I'm, I'm a big fan of that. Uh hopefully I feel sorry for the Gen Z generation cuz y'all y'all have like like mumble rappers and that's yes, just yes. it sounds good. I'm like, what are you saying, bro? What do you you got going on? What are you actually saying, though? Anyway, so there was this group uh, called 3LW. All right, all right. I only lost 75% of y'all on that. Okay. So there's a group called 3LW, you know, and uh, they sang this song called No More. Yeah, all right, all right. We're going to go down this road then. All right, so anyway, the first verse is this, I'm getting sick and tired of your broken promises promises. Y'all remember that? Y'all remember she said that? What the singer was saying was, yo, I'm getting tired of your trifling duplicity. I'm getting tired of you saying that you're going to do one thing and doing another. Like, she was tired of all of this, right? And some of us are in the same boat. We're tired of people's broken promises. Like, people have let us down so much. And we're just sick of it. Like some of us are tired of our friends that said they're going to be with us and and just left us. Some of y'all lost more friends in the pandemic than you can even count. You're like, what happened happened to y'all? I thought thought we was friends, right? You don't even hear from them anymore. And because of that, some of us have just developed a negative posture on life where we're saying, you know what? People don't come through. People don't do what they say. But here's the thing. When Jesus makes a promise… You can guarantee that Jesus is going to keep that promise. How do I know? Because he promised to be born through the womb of a virgin, and he was, Isaiah 9, 6. He promised to be born in Bethlehem, Micah 5, 2, and he was. He promised to be born through the tribe of Judah. He was. He swore that he was going to sit on the throne of David, and he was. And he promised that he was going to die on a rugged cross. Or if you knock down this building, it's going to be built up three days later. And guess what he did? He did it because that grave is still empty. What I'm saying is when Jesus makes a promise, you can guarantee He's going to keep it. But here's the thing. Here's the converse side. The reason that many of us are disappointed with God because, is because we think He promised something that He never really did. People, somebody prophesied over you and told you you were going to be famous. You ate that Taco Bell and you thought it was the voice of the Lord in the dream and it was really just the preservatives, right? Or some of it is just, you got to wait for it to be fulfilled. Some of that, right? So, so what, what I'm saying is, and on top of that, some of us have believed in the gospel of upward, leave, of, of upward mobility. We believe that. We, we want a crossless gospel. We want the resurrection, or we want the resurrection on Sunday, but we don't want Good Friday. A lot of us don't want Silent Saturday which is the day in between the problem but before the solution. Some of us don't want that. And what, what I'm saying is, is, is if you are going to have a resurrection, it's going to come with a crucifixion. So what are you willing to let die so that the power of God can live in your life? Like that, that's what I'm saying. Okay, so number one, he builds his church. On top of that, Jesus has a plan. Jesus has a plan. Right? So, so I, I know that in New York City, uh, y'all pay uh, $5,000 a month for closets. Um, sad about that. Uh, I'm sad. I, that's oppression. That's, that's, that's just what that is. That's just oppression. But in South Jersey, uh, we have this thing. It's called land. <laughs> right? Plots of, like, uh, grass and trees and fresher air. Right? Come on down. You can come on down. Especially on September 12th. At the launch of Accelerate Church with the lights, with the, with the lights. Anyway, anyway, so in my free time, what I like to do is I like to get on Zillow and look at houses, right? I'm like, okay, y'all do that too? It's like house porn. It's awful. You can be on there all day long. I'm like, ooh, look at this, baby, look at this house. It's got a garage, whew. Anyway, but like, like <laughs> in order to build these houses, like, it's a lot of work that goes into it right? Like first you, first the architect has to draw up the plans and then after the plans are drawn up you got the general contractor, he builds it according to spec, and then you got the realtor that comes in and like gets people settled into the house, right? Like it doesn't get built haphazardly because otherwise it wouldn't be a safe place for you to live. And what I'm trying to say is the same thing applies to the church of Jesus Christ. Two thousand, or before, in eternity's past the father said, hey, I've got a heavenly family, What are we going to do to mediate our presence? How are we going to build an institution on earth? So he came up with this idea of the church. The son was like, okay, I got this. I'm going to go to a rugged cross. I'm going to die for their sins so that this formerly estranged group of people can now become family. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to lay the foundation and then I'm going to build up the walls. And then on Pentecost in Acts 2, what happens is the Holy Spirit comes down and dwells in the people. And what happens at that point is Jesus turns the lights on. So, So what I'm saying is that the church was not built haphazardly. It is something that has been in the plans of God from eternity's past. And can I tell you that the church is just not a building, the church is you and I? That God's got a plan to build up your life? Like like you, like you have forgotten, some of us have forgotten the power of God to take these broken bricks and turn them into something beautiful. I know you feel like your life is in rubble right now, it's in shambles, but the same God that raised Jesus Christ from the dead 2,000 years ago is the same one that can resurrect your life, the same one that created the heavens and the earth and all that is can resurrect your life. Give God some praise in this place because you don't serve a dead God, you serve one that is powerful… Ooh, ooh, I got six minutes. Jesus, I got six minutes, Jesus. Let me go ahead on here. Here's the last one. Jesus' promises are perpetual. Ooh, I like this. Houses are built that way because, well, I know, I know, you know, especially in South Jersey, right, like with the land and the grass, like houses are built that way and all that because the architect knows that the storm is coming, Right? The the reason that roofs are sloped, typically, is because they know the rain is coming. The tip… the reason that many people have sump pumps in their basements is because they know the water is coming. The reason you have a vent over top of your stove is because the fire is coming. And the reason that Jesus says the gates of hell won't prevail because He knows the devil is coming. Right? He knows the devil is coming. But what He says is, and we know that the devil is coming how? Because we have lived in a hostile time where we've been politicized over masks and and trying to understand whether there's value with black bodies. Like, come on, are you serious, right? Those are the subtle ways that Satan has tried to attack, attack the church, but what Jesus lets us know in this passage is that the church is indestructible. It was in his plan. It's built in a way that is indestructible. Um, uh, in December, uh, Brandy's brother, Ray J, sat down with Speedy Morgan from Complex News. And, okay, yeah, all right. First, I, I, I'm glad I explained that. I'm glad I explained that one. Brandy's brother, right? Mr. Norwood, right? So he sits down with Speedy, and if you know him, he's kind of flipping with the products that he endorses. And so he, so Speedy sits down with him, he says, yo, man, what, what's up with these glasses? Like, they feel kind of cheap. He said, those glasses ain't cheap. They are indestructible. You can bend them glasses and they ain't going to break. And Speedy's like, all right, cool. So he takes them, snaps them in half. Ray J says, I don't care. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Same thing that I would have said as a guttural person that's impulsive. But here's the thing. What Jesus is saying to us is no matter how much the demonic minions try to bend the church, no matter how much pressure they want to put on the church, no matter what they have to say about the church, no matter the level of political scandals that going on, he's saying that the church is indestructible. Y'all need to get that. Y'all not just, sir, you guys are just not a part of something that's going to be here and gone tomorrow. We are a part of something that's making eternal significance in the world We ought to be excited about that. Listen, the worship team can come because I'm all finished up. But, you know, I, I, I'm I, got, I got some stuff I want to say. But he, here's the thing. Denzel makes a lot of guarantees. He makes a ton of guarantees in movies. And I love them. I love each and every one of them. But one thing I know about Jesus is he's given us an even greater guarantee. And he guarantees you is that if you put your faith and your trust in him, he will restore and renew your life. He promises you that if you put your faith in him, he will give you regeneration, which is changing your heart of stone and giving it a heart of flesh so that you can respond to the gospel. He promised restoration when he takes the old dilapidated bricks in your life and he begins to renew them. And then he leads us to renewal, which is when you have this deep sense that you just need God. Like you just need him. And my prayer in this season, more than anything else, and you can play those keys, bro. Uh, Beautiful name, if you can. Uh, The one thing I know about Jesus is he wants to restore, renew. And he wants us to experience revival. Revival may not be, you know, all the institutions, but what it does mean is that I want to see some family members that don't know Jesus saved. I want to see some people who are far away from God and the words of the old, pe- the old preacher come to, the pre- to peaceful shores. That the master of the sea heard my despair and cry. He came to faith in Him. So let's pray to that end today. I want to pray for you. I want to pray that God will restore your life. And I also want to pray for those who are far away from God and your family and your friends. Father, we thank you right now. Thank you for the abundance of your grace towards us. God, I just have a deep sense that there may be people in here whose lives, Lord, feel like they are in shambles right now. They've been struggling, going through a bunch of hardship. They've been experiencing heartache. And Father, I pray right now that you will give them a little bit of time release comfort, that you will remind them that they are a deeply loved son or daughter of yours. Lord, we pray that you will send a revival in Harlem. Lord, that people who are far away from you will come to know you. Lord, that they will know that they are deeply loved. God, I just have the feeling that there are some deeply loved sons and daughters of God that need to know that they can come on home. and They might be in this room today. So, Lord, we thank you. We love you. We give you glory. In Jesus' name, everybody that agree with that, say amen. Amen.